Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to the SEC Game Day Reaction Show. I'm Blaine Gilmer. That's Chris Lee. I, I did the open because Chris is multitasking right now as we go through. Yes. So I was just <laughs> I was just making sure. I didn't mean to steal the thunder there, Chris. I was just trying it's, to it's go all and, good. and help you out a little bit. Hey, we, we are a team. We get into this however we can. I've, I've got a little bit of a, a written responsibility on, on a deadline uh, for one of these games that we will we will get through this. Uh, and frankly, Blaine, here's the thing. There just wasn't as much to talk about today. I mean, the, the Georgia-Florida game was the one we kind of circled as interesting for a variety of reasons, and, and that was interesting for maybe 10 minutes. Uh, it probably longer than that. It was that that fourth down conversion that that failed, and at that point the game flipped and it never went back. But really, the only game that's been engaging from start to finish has been this Tennessee Kentucky thing. But uh, Tennessee is starting to to separate a little bit. So uh, even so if fast, that, it was my friend. Okay, well I've I'm I'm got one TV in front of me and I'm having to switch channels. So Kentucky's about to score again. So uh, this this looks like it's whoever's going to have the ball last. I think. Gotcha. So yeah, they're about well, to those, kick a field goal. We we're doing one of those today because boy, the rest of it just was not compelling. No doubt, no doubt. We've got people in here. Missile D 11s already in here with us. Andy Stowe, Chris Taylor. Uh, we've got. Uh, GD JD the guitarist says go dog so got lots of Georgia fans in here showing up some Mississippi faithful showing up Kentucky did just kick that field goal so it's 33 27 Tennessee will have the ball back with 424 so Kentucky needs to stop they hadn't been able to get one uh here for a little while Chris but let's start off uh with that game that you were talking about the the Georgia Florida game and uh, I'll get your general thoughts on it and then of course I'm sure uh, as you know I'll have quite a few of my own it felt kind of like last year's Georgia. Did it not? I mean, just the the, the making the plays, the the balance, the the good quarterback play, the defense making plays. One thing we always say about Georgia's defense is it doesn't really have to get sacks and turnovers and all those things, but with that talent, it's capable of it. I thought getting pressure on Graham Mertz was a real difference maker. What they had. I want to say they had four sacks in the first half alone. I might be wrong about that. You would probably know. But I, I just thought that Georgia flipped the switch early in that game. I don't know what the play call that Billy Napier was was doing there when you just need a little bit and you you snap it that far behind the line of scrimmage. Was it was it Smile Munden that, that sniffed that out and they just didn't have a chance? I don't remember now. But that was the key play of the game. And, and it just felt, felt like Florida was into those little – little nightmares for about two quarters where just nothing went right from that point on. And at that point it was, it was over. Yeah, for sure. I think Georgia dominated that game outside the first drive. I mean, they really, they really from played the most complete game that they have all year. Uh, still, there's plenty of things that Kirby smart and his staff will be able to point to and say, Hey, we got to get better here. Got to get better there. But my goodness, uh, the performance by Carson Beck. And I just think, you know, I saw this written in a uh, message board that I was perusing earlier, Chris. And you know, the, the message boards are—you're—you're you're, you're well acquainted. You know that these are, those are great, great sources of trying to get the the general vibe of a fan base and stuff like that. And I thought there was a, a poster that made a a really good point about Carson Beck. He said, "I'm not sure that there's ever been as much pressure on a player coming into a season as there has been Carson yeah. Beck in a, in a program because." Say what you want about Stetson Bennett if you were on that train or weren't or whatever. 
The guy won back-to-back national championships as Georgia's quarterback, so being the guy to follow that uh, is not an easy thing to do, and especially is statistically good, and he was a Heisman Trophy finalist and all this kind of stuff. And Carson Beck has stepped in and just been calm as – I mean, just – you know, calm as you can be, just a steady force and going through there. And I thought it was, it was just a little hilarious to me, Chris, all of the many, many people that started to had to get the the clown, you know, you've seen those memes where they take the makeup and they start putting the, the clown makeup on that said, Oh, Brock Bowers is out. Georgia has no weapons. Georgia has more weapons than some third world countries, Chris. I mean, they, they can, you know, they just really are able to dial it up to different people. Ad McConty, McConkie was healthy. Dominant Lovett had a 55-yard gain today. Ra-Ra Thomas had a key third down. Uh, of course, they've got Dejan Edwards. So I think this is a team that's continuing to get better, that is borderline getting even better than they were a year ago offensively in terms of being able to click and do different things. And then the defensive side of the ball just played solid football today. I don't think they're anywhere as good as the last two years, but they're plenty good enough with that uh, uh, that offense on the other side, in my opinion. Well, look, I'm I'm not calling you a liar here. But I I didn't see anybody saying Georgia had no weapons. No, no. Perhaps those there are people on Twitter whose whose comments don't make their way to, to my. Oh, feeds. it was more. It was more like national guys who. You know, or that they, they don't they don't really pay real close attention to teams. They just say, well, "Oh, Brock Bowers." Okay, is don't 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 get me started on that topic, um, because we could do we could do a show on that tonight. But well, yeah. look, I I, I never I, I guess I'll, here's what I'm saying. I never gave that any thought. But here's the thing, okay, Brock, you can't in one breath say Brock Bowers is an elite guy, maybe the best tight end we've ever seen in college football, and in the next breath say, well, it doesn't doesn't really mean anything won't hurt them I mean of course it hurts you know I, I don't know what value you put on if that's one point two points a field goal or what it is but here's the point most teams that would lose a guy like a Brock Bowers do not have the absolute depth of targets that they've got and I think Rara Thomas is a good object lesson for this team because he's a guy who has been mostly a non-factor all year I'm going to look up the numbers just to make sure I've got this right Okay, he's got um, he's got 16 catches this year, so he's not been a non-factor. That's a little more than I thought. But in Mississippi State, he I believe was their leading receiver a year ago. Uh, yeah. You've got Dominic Lovett, who's been a guy who's come more into his own lately with the Bowers injury. He was a leading receiver at Missouri a year ago. Uh, now here's the thing that we didn't discuss much. It you did mention his name, Lad McConkey, six for a buck thirty-five and a score today. And I think that was his first score of the season. He's been hurt, came back in the Vandy game and made some plays there. But yeah, I mean, I I think I think both can be true at once, right? You you can't you oh can't no, you take can't away a guy it. like Brock Bowers and, and say no, that's a nothing burger. But you got to realize that they've got it against a backdrop that ninety nine percent of of the teams in America do not have. Yeah, I think it was the misguided uh, per- perception of people saying, "Oh, well, all they throw to is Brock Bowers." Well, if you had Brock Powers, you would th- you would throw to him too. Is what is my point? Now sure. that Brock Powers is not there, the other guys are going to get. You know, uh, Gary Danielson actually said something that was uh, I thought kind of kind of witty and funny. Uh, as much as SEC fans give Gary Danielson <laughs> heck on these on these broadcasts, he said, "Hey, it's like Halloween, right?" All the candy's going to get passed out to all these other guys here because they're going to get more touches and things like that, and that's that's exactly what happened today. You know, when when you don't have 
that alpha dog, you're able to spread it around a little bit more. Uh, Chris, I think you'll like this. This is from our other resident Chris here on the show that is a, a fantastic uh, listener and sometimes participant on our Wednesday night show with No Sean and TK. He, he's called in before CT, Chris Taylor. He said, I'll say this. He just watched Napier's post game. He watched it back on YouTube. Uh, he could help Beamer a ton with how to handle a post-loss press conference. Gracious yeah. in defeat. I actually like him. So, Billy Napier, you, you've talked about it. Class guy. I mean, class guy over there at Florida. Yeah. Can, can, can we stop the Sunbelt Billy stuff? I mean, come on, really? They they got they got run by a team that we all thought was a national title favorite coming into the season. They've had some moments. They beat a, a good Tennessee team. It's not a great Tennessee team, but it's a good team. They won that decidedly. That they they went and won at South Carolina on the road. I, I, I don't care who you're talking about unless it's maybe a trip to Vandy. There's no really easy wins in the SEC on the road. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, again, I, I've said this on the show. I was, I've got a guy who plays golf with a lot of the, the SEC inner office types, knows coaches, knows coaching staff that tells me some things from, from time to time. And again, the, the narrative this time a year ago, I, I just said, who's, he said, here's the story that you need to look out for. Billy Napier is the guy that everybody behind the scenes is talking about that, when, when the SEC coaches sit around and AD say, who is the next sleeping giant in this league? It's him. They've got, what, the number three recruiting class in the country. I think he's done a nice job piecing it together. I, I thought Florida was maybe the 10th, 11th best team in the league coming into this year. I, I just did not think they were very good. I think he's made the most out of what they have. Um, and yeah, and I think if you could give him a little bit of time, I think he's going to have them right back up there where they've been. Yeah, I think it, I think he'll be I think he'll be good, you know, for the long haul there at Florida if they if they are patient with him. However, Chris, it is fair to say that if they don't win that Arkansas game next week, they may not win another one. Because they've got they've well, got yeah. yeah, they got Missouri at Missouri, I believe. They have LSU and then they have Florida State after that. They need to they need to beat Arkansas or they won't be bowl eligible. Well, look, this this is going to get met with a, a thumbs up rating from Florida fans of probably under ten percent. But I think with that schedule, because I think when it's all said and done, they will have probably played the toughest schedule in the country. I think if he gets them yeah. to a bowl game, I don't care if it's six and six. In my opinion, he's done a nice job. No, no, I mean, I th I thought they could be a four win team this year. So anything over that yeah. is is you know ice on the cake, and then. The, the tough thing for Florida going forward is that schedule next year is brutal as well. Um, but one more, one more point, like circling back to Georgia before we get to this, there's a minute 46 remaining in this uh, Tennessee-Kentucky game. It's third and seven. I believe Tennessee has the ball. But um, when, you're, when you're talking about things on the Georgia side, I think what you saw was a Georgia team, Chris, that – they just have this innate ability that Saban teams in Alabama, when they had their run going for a while there, was they can be their best when their best is required. You know, you yeah. don't always see it. You don't always see it week in, week out when they're playing a team that they know they can go in there and just stomp by 30. But when 
they face a team that they know is a is a threat or they know it's a big game for them in terms of rivalry or people are giving them any kind of whether it's perceived or real bulletin board material or stuff like that Kirby Smart has finds a way to get the get the most out of those guys and people say hey well anybody can do that with with five stars and stuff like that well I mean A&M's not, you know, and A&M's yeah. as talented as anybody in the country. I think it says a lot about guys like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban that they're able to find a, a way to push those buttons and motivate those guys that it would be easy sometimes for those guys to be not as motivated. You know what I'm saying? Because of, yeah. because of they, they are so talented and they know they're going to go play in the league and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I mean, we've, we've had this discussion many times, so I won't be too repetitive. I, I would say, and, and this is where you – you have to judge the Ms. Universe con contest and, you know, di differentiate between the 10.0 the and the 9.95. I, I don't mean to be crude and crass. It's just the, the best thing I can, can think of is we're, no, is we're doing this. I, I would say, I would say the one thing that I would differentiate Alabama and Georgia between, I feel like Saban's teams had that snap on everybody's neck all the time when they were in their, their prime run, whereas Georgia will, 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 will as you like to say, uh, play with this food against a Kent State or a Vandy or somebody like that every now and then. But, I mean, but who cares, right? Because we're just – I mean, th those aren't the games that matter. Georgia's not – when Georgia lets one of those get away from it, that then we can have that as a major discussion point. But other than that, you're right. Yeah, uh, just just real quick, updating the the stats and or in terms of the streak, 25 straight Ooh. games won by Georgia – 35 straight regular season games won and overall 41 of their last 42 games. So quite impressive run for Georgia right here. Now, Chris, um, you know, we're ending the near of the the Tennessee Kentucky game. Tennessee just picked up a big first down. Uh, any, any kind of thoughts, you know, on this one, just right off the bat. I mean, I know Devin Leary finally showed up in this game, even though it wasn't enough for, for Kentucky. It seems like what's your, What's your thoughts on uh, Tennessee seemingly pulling out the victory here in Lexington? Well, well, first of all, let me give a shout out to my my daily co-host Gavin Schoenwald. I, I I texted him and joked and said I'm gonna have to fire you from the show because you're gonna take my job. He his picks for we did a Thursday show where we came up with some scenarios to watch and he nailed them. One of which Kentucky was leaning on on the passing game with Dane Key and Barry and Brown. I, I don't think that most of us had Tennessee Kentucky going down the way that it did with both those quarterbacks having stellar nights with Ray Davis being less of a factor. Uh, but but I guess the story maybe the story of the day is it is it Joe Milton and I get that one of the touchdowns came on an easy throw where where, where somebody fell down. But this is a legit legit defense as we know. Um, you go on the road and win in a place where a team has had two weeks off to prepare. Uh, Milton, 17 of 20 tonight, no picks, runs the ball for another 24 yards. Uh, Dylan Sampson was really good. I think that, or excuse me, well, he was good, but Jalen Wright was even better. Yeah. Um, I, I think just the way that it went down and, and looking at the box score, I don't know that that's the way any of us would have drawn it up. I, I don't, I think when we did the preview, I don't know if we speculated on the over under I don't remember what it was but I'm pretty sure I would have taken the the under that's that's not how it played out in any form or fashion and and that's what among other things has made this season fun 
Yeah, Devin Leary, 372 passing yards tonight. I don't think any of us Ooh. would uh, would have imagined that, uh, the way that he's been throwing the football. But he looked really good. Uh, ten- it does bring into question maybe some things about that Tennessee secondary, as we already learned in that Alabama game. But one thing you can't question about Tennessee, uh, Chris, is that ability to run the football, particularly yeah. on a physical defense like, can- like Kentucky. And we question, hey, are they going to be able to – you know, have that physicality and things about him after a physical game at Tuscaloosa last week. So, you know, impressive for Tennessee. It says a lot about Heupel and where he has this program in terms of being able to uh, recoup and, and refocus and go play uh, at Kroger Field at night and pull out a victory is what it looks like. It's going to be third and third and nine. They're going to be able to run this clock down uh, to almost nothing here when they get run this next play so um Kentucky would have very little time if any but I think it's just an impressive job by Josh Heupel and I think they're they're continuing to move in the right direction they'll have um they'll have UConn next week at home and then uh they get they get Missouri at Missouri before they before they play Georgia so uh at home so not an easy schedule for the Tennessee Volunteers either. It's about to get good here, Chris, in November. There's about to be a lot of big games. Yeah. Well, one more thing on Tennessee. There are stats that that sort of describe the game from a driving perspective. Like if, if a guy rushes for, for 300 yards, and that, then that's the story, right, or throws for 500 or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, but th- there are some other stats that are descriptors of the kind of game that it was and and sort of tell you, why a team won. I thought Tennessee jumping up early on Kentucky 10-0 in the first quarter the way it did was big. Uh, and, and frankly, it looked like it was going to be a blowout early after Kentucky failed a fourth down conversion, which might have been the key play of that game or, or certainly one of them. But I think by the time this game is over, Tennessee is going to run for 50, 50 times or just, just short of it. And I think that's one of those that after the fact yeah. you you feel really good if you're Josh Heupel because that means hey the game kind of went the way we wanted it to which it did and when you're able to do that Joe Milton doesn't feel like he has to force things and he can be efficient like he was tonight he was efficient 17 of 17 of 20 passing the ball and uh, just over 200 yards passing so not eye popping numbers but those are winning numbers Chris when you're able to run the football that way as Tennessee was um, so you know that. There's still there's still a lot of meat on the bone here in the SEC. It is starting to become a clearer picture in the East. I think with with it's going to get crystal clear next week when you have Georgia and Missouri face one another. So that's going to be absolutely huge. But Tennessee, you know, they're still trying to stay right in there. Uh, you know, do the best they can. Now they do have they do have two conference losses, so they wouldn't control their their destiny by any means unless it were Missouri. Uh, beating Georgia next week, then Tennessee would have a chance to control its destiny by the following week, trying to beat Missouri. But um, so, hey, you got to, if you're Tennessee, you, you just got to say, hey, we got to just keep winning the games that are out there in front of us and keep competing. And uh, we'll, you know, see, see, let the chips fall where they may. But I think that the resolve of this Tennessee team, I picked them to win a close one. I thought it would be. Somewhere to three to six point game, so it kind of went as we thought it would. But in terms of the score, Chris, in terms of the the spread, but but definitely as you mentioned, it was totally a different dynamic, except for our man Notre Dame uh, Schoenwald over there, which we'll have to right. We'll have to give him give him credit. Well, look, Kentucky. It's been a pretty miserable time since that Florida game. 
if you're looking for something to take away coming out of this game, first of all, you know, a, a play goes your way somewhere in this, and, and maybe you win. It's going to be a six-point game if Tennessee doesn't tack on any more points. It's not like this was a runaway. But other – well, even, heck, Alabama and, and Lexington, that's not completely unwinnable. You finally got the thing that you thought you were going to have this year, and that's Leary throwing the ball well. And so if you can – tap into that going forward I, I think Kentucky's still got a shot to have a pretty nice season well and it's also just disappointing that sometimes Chris there's guys that just have your number not just in play you know players like I'm not talking about a wide receiver in a corner I'm talking about a coordinator on the offensive side versus a play caller on the defensive side and Josh Heupel has Brad White and Mark Stoops his number I mean he's been able to yeah. just just run the ball really well and have shot plays on them. So I just don't think that, uh, you know, I just don't think that you're, you're looking at a great matchup for Kentucky scheme wise. And, uh, they, they hung right in it. They, they tried their best, but Chris, I did want to uh, pivot over to another game that had a surprising, uh, passing output from we a quarterback. were thinking the same thing that was exactly then i mean who had peyton thorne throwing for a buck 90 at half i mean what that's like two right. games worth uh for right. for auburn and they they just went nuts there uh throwing the football what three passing touchdowns in the first half i mean yeah. my goodness it was uh it was really really something something to see and I think when you're talking about this is a Mississippi State. Now, I know that Arkansas fired Danny Enos and they, they've been terrible offensively, but this is, a Arkansas, this is a Mississippi State team that held Arkansas to three points and yeah. almost like no yardage last week. And when it comes down to it, they they totally uh, weren't able to stop uh, Peyton Thorne and company. So the bigger question for you is, Chris, that I would ask you, has this been more of a Peyton Thorne thing and he's finally grown into that offense, you think? Or has this been more of, okay, finally they got some some play to, to step up around him a little bit, you think? I, I'm not I'm not sure what the answer to that would be. Um, I, I think a lot of it is Mississippi State's past defense is dreadful. Okay. Um, that's got, but I mean, but look, we, we've also said that Peyton Thorne was a guy that had put up some numbers in past what he, he threw for 3,200 yards a couple of years ago. So I'm not going to say, I'm not, not going to eliminate that State as a possibility. Get to the college football playoff? Um, was, was that I one think of they the were close. years? Yeah. I mean, they, they, that's, I mean, he got, <laughs> when Mel Tucker goes to collect his $90 million, he, he certainly should, should write Peyton Thorne a check for some of that. Right. Um, Really yeah, close. I mean, they it, didn't it, get in the playoffs that year. They were they were like eleven and two though. Yeah, that's what got Tucker the big contract extension. But but point point being, it's part of his past. You know, you would think a guy could dial back into it at some point, and 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 maybe today he did. Oh, by the way, Jarquez Hunter helped to rush for a buck forty four. But I I don't know. The bigger thing to me now, Blaine, is that Auburn's got a shot at a bowl game, which I wasn't convinced was going to happen. Um, again, you go back and, and look that that went over Cal was a nice win. Um, they've got ahead at Vandy, at Arkansas, New Mexico State, and Alabama. And I don't think they're going to run the table. Alabama's going to be the toughest one. But if they rip off four in a row starting with today, I, I don't think anybody would be shocked by that. Although, uh, if you just want to get a little deep in the weeds, New Mexico State's a little bit better than, than maybe people think they've got a, a stud quarterback in there and uh, with Auburn just not able to score. 
Uh, I'm not saying they're going to upset them, but it might be not quite be the romp you think. But, uh, yeah, I think Auburn put itself very much in position uh, to get to a bowl with, with the win today. Well, you mentioned that people inside the SEC were talking about Sleeping Giant as the next you know, head coach and things like that, and Billy Napier. Hugh Freeze at Auburn is definitely that. Let me tell you, because the way that, that he's recruiting, he's already flipped yeah. a five-star guy defensively from Georgia. He's flipped a five-star wide receiver from Alabama in this class coming up. And I'm telling you, you let Hugh Freeze recruit over there, and Auburn has, has the NIL machine rolling as well over there yeah. behind him. You get all that going. Uh, Auburn always, always, I mean, you go back and look at the – Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn, they've always been there in the national conversation. Not every year, but it seems like every two or three years. Hugh Freeze, I don't think it'll take him long to I think I don't think it'll take it take him long to get there to that point with Auburn. They're they're a team that does things well on the defensive side of the ball. They're physical in the run game. And if they can start to get some talent in at the wide receiver position and develop at quarterback yeah. a little bit more, because Peyton Thorne, don't forget, he can come back next year. So, Chris, if he ends up, if he ends this season on a hot streak, he ends up developing in that RPO system, he can come back next year and be Auburn's starting quarterback. And then there you go. Yeah. Look, they, they were one or two receiver hits in the portal this year for making it pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, and, and you figure he's going to get those going forward. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, some One guy, Chris, that uh, has gotten a lot of those guys in the last couple of years is Jimbo Fisher, and they, they finally made use of a couple of them. They actually threw yeah. the ball to Anaya Smith today. How about that, Chris? Uh, I we tweeted about that. I, I Every time I watch that kid get the ball, and I, I know part of the answer, to be fair, is they've got Evan Stewart and a lot of other guys that are dudes too. But, my goodness, there's nobody – there's very few guys in the league that with the with the ball in his hands can do the things that he does. I'm looking forward to him being on my fantasy football team next year is all I'm saying <laughs> yeah. on the NFL. Well, you should. Because he's got a lot of tread on the tires. You know what I'm saying? He hadn't been used that much at Texas A&M, and I think he'll be uh, just like a chain over there for Miami that, uh, that that's tearing it up and doing things like that. And how about your guy, Ruben Owens, Chris? You've been begging for Ruben Owens to get – he had 18 <laughs> carries today. They got through that bye week, and they said, you know what, we've got that five-star over there. Let's let him tote the rock a little bit. And he got 18 carries today. Listen, it only produced 40 yards, but you gotta eventually you gotta, you know, baptize a freshman into the the you know SEC just grind of things. And he got that today. Yeah, well, to be fair, Moss was out. That had something to do with it. But yeah, I Still. mean we'll, we'll see where that goes. Absolutely. Just just getting him that that experience. He still led uh led Daniels by what? Uh, five carries on the day I think you got to give South Carolina a lot of credit Chris in, in this as well because I know that they're not a very good football team but they're also injured beyond belief and Trey Knox yeah. went down in this one as well their offensive line is just I mean it's like a it's like a slice of Swiss cheese there's so many holes in it from guys going down with injuries I mean it's it's just rough but Spencer Rattler continues to try to will his team to, to victories and kept them in games and stuff like that. And, and they, they even, you know, didn't have uh, Xavier Leggett totally healthy today. He was a little bit banged up. 
I just think that they, they play really, really hard, but they are one of the more injured football teams that I'll remember in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just hope Spencer or Spencer Sanders. I'm, I'm watching Ole Miss Fanny now. Spencer Rattler uh, gets through the season healthy. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, um, as a guy going 20 minutes north of here to watch Will Levis make his starting debut as a quarterback tomorrow, um, I was I, I, I've watched Spencer Rattler and thought, you know what, my 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 Titans could do a lot worse than that. I think. What they 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 take like a big name quarterback every year in the draft, so why not? You know they got they got Malik Willis, they got Le- <laughs> Will Levis. By well, why, why yeah, but I th- I think there's a difference between those guys. I I never was as high on those guys as as I am Rattler. And, and look, if you go play for the Titans, um, he's got plenty of training and not having anybody to block for him, which you're going to need if you plug into that team right now. Um. I, so I don't think he doesn't have me the time you. to. You're saying he doesn't have the time to throw that Carson Beck does. Uh, <laughs> I think you can safely say that, Blaine. <laughs> Is that not unreal? I mean, I know we've already talked about Georgia, but literally, it looks like you could you could take you know like pool noodles or something and attach them to Carson Beck, and I don't even think the defensive <laughs> the defensive line would be able to hit the pool noodle. That's how that's how far away they are from him at at certain times. Yeah, it's it's funny what happens when you've got an elite offensive line. Uh, good stuff tends to happen. And look, Georgia was was I, I don't know where Phil Steele and those guys rated him. I'm I'm three months removed from the preseason prep now, but I have a I, I think they were the you know had to be a top five offensive line in the country, if maybe not number one. Um, so yeah, that that helps. So and and to your point earlier, you know, I, I what I was talking about was I was talking about all these people that were coming out and saying, hey. It doesn't matter what Georgia's result is on Tuesday. And when I say a lot of people, I listen to a lot of uh, national radio, national TV, Dan Mullen today, of course. Uh, all these people were saying, Georgia, doesn't matter win or lose, they're not going to be ranked in the top four of the committee's first uh, the committee's first rankings when they come out Tuesday. Well, I think they dispelled all uh, that. that. That You can forget that. If Georgia's not in the top four, then, then I will – I'd eat your hat, your nice yeah, brave hat, hat. And, and and this is a nice hat. I do not want to. This is maybe my favorite hat I've ever had. So we don't want that to happen. But yes, let me forget it. That's Oklahoma going that's down helped as well. Oklahoma going down helped as well. How about that? You know, we we do need to touch on that because Oklahoma's coming into the SEC, and it also impacts SEC teams because we were thinking, okay, the Big Twelve may lock up a spot, but listen with. Quinn Ewers being down for a couple weeks for Texas and now Oklahoma having a loss to Kansas, I don't think it's a guarantee, Chris, that the Big 12 gets a representative into the college football oh, playoff. I, I think that was super, super damaging. I'm, I'm going to reset the playoff picture in a minute here. Um, but before we do that, because we, we've not talked about Vandy Ole Miss, and so if you're watching this on the replay, we are doing this as that game is, is coming down the stretch. Uh, this this was never a game. The final score is going to look closer than it was, I think. Uh, but, you know, for, for Ole Miss, it just did what it wanted early. Uh, it jumped out on Vandy. I think at half it had close to 300 yards, and uh, Vanderbilt had considerably less than that. Va- Vanderbilt, from a, from a Vandy angle, the interesting thing is they're switching quarterbacks tonight. A.J. Swan didn't dress, and they pulled Ken Seals early, went to Walter Taylor, 
went back to Seals for a minute, and now we're back to Taylor, who'd never thrown a pass uh, in his collegiate career until tonight. So I don't know what's going down with the Vandy quarterback situation in Oxford, but that's been a little bizarre. Walter Taylor has 19 carries for 57 yards for Vandy, though. Yeah, well, they, they can't run the ball on, on me and you. But um, well, I'm saying, yeah, I mean, from, from an Ole Miss standpoint, uh, Judkins was really good early tonight. Um, Dart was really good on point, hit, hit Dayton Wade with a couple of big touchdowns in the first half. And I mean, this is this was kind of a name your score game. And I think Ole Miss, um, you know, it hit the brakes a few times tonight. I think Ole Miss is the team that, you know, I know the Missouri, I know that Missouri game is going to be tough for Georgia. And I mean, Missouri is going to be tough for everybody going down the stretch. But that Ole Miss game, that may be the one that I think is most intriguing uh, for, for Georgia just because, just because I think Lane Kiffin, the familiarity with that system of defense. Yeah, uh, that that you know he was on the same staff. <laughs> he, he he was even on the same staff with Kirby, I think. So I think they yeah. were on the the same staff together. So a lot of familiarity there. Running quarterbacks give Georgia problems at times. So I think that's an interesting one. Georgia's got a lot of interesting games coming up, but uh, but yeah, for sure, Ole Miss. Anytime they have that dynamic duo of Quinshaw Junkins. And Ulysses Bentley and and Chris, in my opinion, U- Ulysses Bentley is a criminally underrated player. I think he's yeah. lightning lightning in a bottle type player. Um, that just because you know Quinchon is arguably maybe one of the best running backs in the entire country, Ulysses Bentley would start for a lot of football teams. You know, I hadn't thought of this until now, but Georgia and Ole Miss are very similar offensively. They got a lot of balance, a ton of guys who can make plays. Uh, no, no, defensively, I think they're on they're on different levels. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But it, it's an interesting thing because I think Ole Miss, you know, you kind of wondered about A and M and would A and M show up today or face plan or what would that look like? A and M winning that game and and doing it getting better late told you that looked like a team that that's still in it to win some games. And I think that's going to be a really good one next week. That'll be in Oxford uh, before Ole Miss goes to Athens. Yep. No, I think it, think it will be a good game outside of the, uh, outside of the SEC, Chris, I did want to mention as we've kind of been keeping up with it and this may lead into your little, your playoff reset and stuff like that. How about the air force Falcons staying undefeated 30, yeah. To 13 over Colorado State. I always love the, the stories with these service academies. And anytime anyone, anytime you got a chance to see a service academy, maybe in a New Year's Six bowl game, sign me up for it. I'd love to see the triple option there and 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 that against a spread team it on a on a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game. So uh congratulations to the Air Force Falcons out there uh winning winning that game. Yeah, give give me a just for fun matchup between Air, I'll take Air Force and Ole Miss. Speaking of Ole Miss, um, the game that 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 could be a lot of fun. I mean, I think anybody they play, but yeah, if if, if you got one, throw it out there because I, th- I think you're you're going to be seeing that. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really fun to see all those things here. Um, I think we've touched on all the the games in terms of okay, you know, instant reaction, what we think about 
about how those games went down. Um, Chris, is there anything that maybe we need to uh, look at, you know, going forward for next week, or do, or do you want to jump into the playoff stuff here? I want to jump into the playoff stuff for just a minute. Um, I'm going to need you to play traffic cop with the, with the comments and everything for just a minute as I take care of a little bit of business. And, yeah. and then when we're done with that, I'm, I'm going to come back. and Because I, I did keep a few notes on, on who did what today that I'll get into. Yeah, so if you're in here with us in the chat, go ahead and throw in your questions right here. If you have something that that you want us to address, or you you want you want questions answered, or our our take on something, then go ahead and and throw it in here. We'd love to uh, love to interact with you guys on here. I see uh, Chris Cobb, Chris Taylor, Jenna Smith, all you guys on here. So we would love love to uh, interact uh, with you guys on here as well. Um, I think. You know, Genesis, uh, hopefully they got enough sense to know four SEC games is tougher than any Michigan game. And so she's already talking about seeding in the playoff and all that kind of stuff, being the number one uh, in the Tuesday rankings. Uh, that will be that will be big. Um, how about the Colorado State flag being thrown for fans, uh, throwing snowballs at Air, at Air Force sidelines? Uh, man, that's crazy. They're, they're throwing – throwing snowballs at the sidelines over there. First of all, it's October and they got snowballs over there. So, hey, that's uh, different different than the SEC out here for sure. For sure out there at Colorado State. Around the country, Ohio State has put away Wisconsin pretty much. They just went up 24-10 and Wisconsin probably couldn't score uh, 24 points if they gave them eight quarters against Ohio State. They're just not very good offensively right now. And Luke Fickle's first year there and Ohio State has one of the better defenses in the entire country their offense leaves a lot to be desired in my opinion but Ohio State has a lot of uh, a lot of juice on defense all right uh, in for life says in more than one perspective how do you see the Mizzou UGA game going I think you'll see Missouri have some success early and then I think you'll just see the talent and depth of Georgia overcome them especially with it being at home that atmosphere things like that i just think that that's that's what you're going to see is you're going to see the difference in the in the two offensive and defensive lines and i think you're going to see georgia in a home environment play really well with a lot of confidence and now the now here's one thing uh uh in for life nine one thing about it is when when you have a lot of guys catching the ball uh, now you have the morale going up, and Georgia's getting a lot of guys, a lot of touches. I think it'll be a tight game. I think it could end up being a one-score game, but I just think Georgia's the the better team in the end. So, uh, so you don't think there's a chance for a twenty-three? No, no. Uh, Georgia's not going to be overlooking anybody. They're not going to be. Um, they're not going to be. You know, getting getting snuck up on anything like that nature. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be two really good football teams expecting the best out of one another, and it's going to be who can who can win at the point of attack, who can, uh, I think, running the ball. Georgia is really running the football well the last couple of games, and I think that'll be a big difference as well. All right. So, yeah, running the football is going, is going to be big in that game. Chris, you got your playoff scenario stuff ready to roll? Uh, g- give me just a minute. If you can kill about – 60 more seconds, I'll be there. All right. What else we got here in the chat? We've got 
You're going to feel like a hockey player. I'm asking you to kill off the penalty here. How about that? Yeah, just just lay in front of the goal and take the puck to the face is what you're saying. Back before they had the back before they had the uh, the the face mask and everything. Jenna says that it'll be, uh, you know, or she's saying today, 43, 20 dogs. Are you saying it's going to be that again next week, Jenna? Is that what you're saying? Or you go ahead and be a Notre Dame? Uh, I think it will be a good game for sure. Um, Washington almost got beat by Stanford. Um, did the, did was that today? Did they did they play San, uh, Stanford today? I didn't I didn't see played, that. Played them tonight. Yeah, they played them tonight. Wow. Oh well, it's thirty. It's thirty five to thirty three. They have the ball with a minute forty five left. So I guess that one is about to be about to be over with. Yeah, and and that was after Washington. That was after Washington uh, didn't score an offensive touchdown against Arizona State and won fifteen to seven last week. So, my goodness, who did Georgia turn to in the absence of Bowers? Chris, that would be the arsenal uh, that is McConkey, Lovett, Edwards, Delp. By the way, I think you've got to give Oscar Delp so much credit because. What that young man did, and Kirby Smart tried to do his best to downplay any pressure on him in press conference and saying, hey, nobody's asking Oscar Delp to, to step up and be, be a replacement for Brock Bowers, all this kind of stuff. And my goodness, some of the catches that he made were as athletic as I've seen. He could start for he could start at tight end for any team in the country, I believe. I truly do, uh, other than Georgia when Brock Bowers is there he's that kind of a weapon that kind of a player and he's he really had himself a ball game that that snow cone one-handed grab that he brought in on that wheel route that that beck put a little bit high out there for him that was uh that was tremendous and then he made some of that stuff where you slip the running back or the uh tight end who's kind of in the h-back type deal off a split zone action and split him out in the flat he catches that thing out with his hands away from his body something a lot of tight ends aren't able to do he catches it out out from away from his body with his hands and then just continues to go up and break tackles and get yards after catch so oscar delp and by the way you've not seen georgia throw the ball to Lawson lucky yet but Watch out when you do. That young man was making a lot of noise in the spring before he got his ankle hurt, and now he's come back, and he's they're using him mostly as a blocker, but he can rumble with it too once he gets uh, once he gets it in his hands. All right, Blaine, your power play rating just went way up for that, so thank you. I, I have some I lighting take a drink right here. that are they're on a deadline, and I, I just had to get something in. So anyway, we're back to it. Um, I was keeping up with the playoff today. And let me give you – oh, just got to find where I put it. A, a Kind of a quick wrap on where we are um, heading into next week. In terms of undefeated teams? Yeah, and, and anybody else of note. Um, all right, well, you've we got can... your unbeatens. You've got Michigan 8-0 off this week. Ohio State is playing tonight and playing Wisconsin. Is that one over? Well, it's it's going to be over. They're they're winning by fourteen with two minutes left. So yeah, they're it, they they won. Okay, so Ohio State is going to stay unbeaten. Um, Oklahoma fell from the ranks of the unbeaten today to to Kansas and Lance Leipold. What a job that guy has done. Uh, Florida State stayed yeah. unbeaten. Beat I think Wake Forest today. 
Washington is going to remain unbeaten after, I guess, polishing off Stanford. It's got a nine-point lead, although Stanford does have the ball. And from there, you've got what? Air Force. Madison and Air Force and Liberty. But James Madison is not eligible for a bowl game. Okay. So, yeah. Not, not that not that James Madison was crashing the playoff yeah. even if it was, but just just for housekeeping's sake. There, there you go. Okay, one loss teams that got a chance. You've got Alabama. Oklahoma took a major, major dent today. I mean, it, it's going to be either they or Texas are going to have a shot. And Texas beat who today? BYU. BYU. So without they're in Quinn there. Ewers, without Quinn Ewers, 35-6. to six, So impressive victory. Right. Oregon won pretty demonstrably over Utah. That's going to be a good win because Utah had been a hot team. Definitely, they are still in it. And Ole Miss is in it. Ole Miss has got some work to do. But I I think, look, if if Ole Miss wins out, here's an interesting one for you. And and I'm trying to locate their schedule here. Ole Miss beats Texas A&M. Beats Georgia, beats ULM, ULM, and beats Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Presum- presuming Alabama does not lose again, in which case Alabama would win the West based on the head-to-head win. O- Ole Miss as a one-loss playoff team would be a fascinating discussion because you'd have a win over LSU – You'd have a win at Auburn. You'd have a win over AM. You'd have a win over Georgia and, and Mississippi State for whatever that's worth. And Georgia Tech, which is okay. And and, and Tulane, which has lost, I think, one game. So yeah, no doubt. I, I don't I, I see this. It feels like things always sort themselves out, at least they have in the past, where I have these multi-car pileups and you don't know how you're going to separate everybody out at the end of the season. And it just magically works out at the end. And maybe that happens again, but again, I think the the parity one through twelve or thirteen or so in, in college football right now, I'm not sure we've ever seen anything like that. So I I think we could have chaos at the finish line. Well, except for 2007, and that was that was just a magical year. I loved 2007. If you remember that BCS craziness, where West Virginia I think had a chance to be in the in the championship game and lost the last game of the year, like crazy kind of stuff. Um, here's one from glow man, Mike, Chris, you talked about the job Lance Leipold done. Is he a future sec coach one day? You think, does you think an sec program hits up Lance Leipold? Well, he could have, he could have been a current sec coach. Uh, Vanderbilt was down to Clark Lee and he, uh, before it made the decision and, and boy, Vandy fans uh, have been, been yelling about that one tonight. So yeah, I mean, but possibly, He's kind of old. He's in his fifties, though, isn't he? Yeah, I, I'm not sure how, what age yeah. he is. I know he's just done a heck of a job. And you know, ironically, you know, teams that have multiple losses, I would say Lance Leipold is a guy that could be considered for Coach of the Year type candidate. And I tell you, another one outside the SEC that could be considered Coach of the Year based on that how he was a dead man walking uh, before the year is uh, Neil Brown at West Virginia. I mean, everybody thought he yeah. was out the door, and he they end up laying it to US, uh, UCF today. And uh, and and I think they're five and three on the year after everybody thought he'd be fired after like the first three or four games. So good for him. 
Um, going, if you go back here, Mike Norvell was kind of in that spot too. Cause didn't they lose to Jacksonville state two years ago? Oh yeah. It, it was rough. I mean, it was rough and, yeah. and Florida state was kind of in do or die mode. And, and it really all started with that LSU game early on and kind of has, uh, has kept rolling. Um, another team that you did. Hey, hey Blaine, let me, let me stop you a minute. I, 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 I left somebody out inadvertently. Um, we, we can't go without mentioning Missouri as a one loss team. They just didn't play. So out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and, and, or another thing, just, just wrapping up loose ends Did Oregon state play tonight. Uh, I'm not sure if they played, I'll, tonight, I'll but I did up. want to tell you another one loss team that you got to keep an eye on because of, I think Clemson went down again today. So I don't think they're even in a chance Clemson's to get to the games. Yeah. Yeah. To get to the SEC championship. I think it's Louisville. Louisville's a one loss team. They have a win over Notre Dame. They beat Duke tonight. If they were to win out and then if so that would give them at the end of the year presumably a win over Kentucky plus they would have a chance to beat I think Florida State in the in the ACC championship game if they did that does Louisville get a look with a win over um with a win over Notre Dame on their on their resume and things like that so plus a, a win over Duke that looks a lot better now so um that kind of stuff I mean we'll see We'll see what what happens uh, what happens there, but uh, you know, just another one loss team to keep an eye on because all of these SEC teams are going to be looking at all these spots going forward. Chris, I don't think the ACC is going to get a one loss team in. I think it's okay. going to be Florida. I mean, Louisville just has not beaten the the, the opportunities for marquee wins are, are really. I mean, okay, Notre Dame, you got that one. NC State's getting a little better. Um, you know, beat beat Duke today. That's a nice one, but Duke stars fading a little bit, I think. And with an injury at quarterback, that that could wind up being one that you don't really, you know, beat Kentucky at years end, maybe at Miami. That team's been up and down. I, I mean, there's some nice wins in there. I just think, I don't know. It it, it is. Well, if that's it, the it's, case, as tough Chris. as the Big Ten. I mean, because I think you're either going to get Michigan or Ohio State in, maybe both. Uh, the SEC is probably going to get Alabama or Georgia in, maybe both, although I doubt it. Um, you may not get Michigan in at all. I'm telling you, the more this scandal goes on, the NCAA hates well, Harbaugh. I truly believe there. that. They yeah. hate him. I mean, they hate his guts, and I think there may be a chance that they they don't allow Michigan in at all. Like, I really yeah. I really think that could happen. Yeah, Pac Pac 12's got a shot. I mean, again, the, the the door cracked a little bit today with Oklahoma losing, but I don't I don't think the ACC is going to be a strong enough league to get a team in unless Florida State goes unbeaten. So you, you said, and I think the Big Twelve is the same thing as you as you yeah. said. So I think your 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 four playoff teams are going to come from like you said, the Pac twelve, the Big Ten, and the SEC. I, I think your best hope for the Pac uh, for the Big Twelve is Texas now. Because Texas has got that win in Alabama, it's beaten Kansas. Um, Kansas State next week would be a nice win. Road win at TCU would get people's attention. Uh, win at Iowa State would would mean a little bit, and, and beating Texas Tech would be a nice win. Uh, Texas has got a shot to, I think, with the work it did against Alabama, to, to maybe edge in there, depending on what other teams do. But I think Oklahoma really, really is going to be finding things difficult uh it's going to need to win out and then and, and then maybe hope for some stuff elsewhere to break in its favor texas has kansas state next week uh 
at home without Quinn Ewers. So Malik Murphy will have to play quarterback in that one or if something went wrong, Arch Manning. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think the nightmare scenario for those two future SEC teams here, because we are Southeastern 14, the, the nightmare scenario, Chris, is okay, Texas wins all the rest of these games that they've got in the regular season. Then they get a rematch with Oklahoma in the uh, in the Big 12 championship game. But between now and then, Oklahoma, let's say, loses next week at Bedlam, uh, against Oklahoma State in Bedlam in that rivalry. And then Oklahoma beats Texas again in the Big 12 championship game. There, there's your nightmare, nightmare scenario, and neither one of them get in. And then they yeah. come into the – and then they come into the friendly confines of the SEC next year, and we welcome them in with open arms, whether we're Southeastern 16 or whatever we end up being next year, and into our uh, wonderful family of SEC coverage here, Chris. You know, I want to I want to go back to something you said on Michigan. We had Trey Wallace on Friday, and we got into that a little bit. And w- there was also some off-air chatter that did not make its way onto the show, and, and it couldn't. But I'll just put it this way. Trey said a lot of the stuff that you said about the NCA. Uh, keep keep an eye on that. Yeah, no, and and it's it's not just that it's it's more than people say. Oh, well, they still signs all the time and in game and all that kind of. Yeah, in game people are looking at sidelines. I used to be a coach that bounced around at a few different places here in Northeast Georgia in the high school ranks, Chris. So I was familiar with the signs of other teams. But I didn't go into the game with laminated sheets and hand them out to all my coaches yeah. and all that. What I did was I was in the press box and I looked across and I said, "Hey, they're running counter right here because I know that signal for counter." And I would get get it to my defensive coach. But I wasn't doing it beforehand and going out and scouting all this stuff and, and doing all these the video and it is yeah. Also, too, the level of lie and deny that that hardball yeah. is going to that i think is going to ultimately end up in getting them yeah i mean look you you can have a hangnail and it's no big deal but if you lie to the nca they will come after you for that i mean that is when you really piss the nca off is is when you lie so that's number one number two yeah everybody steals signs there's probably not a team in the league that doesn't do it but having months or weeks to marinate on that and what it means, your reaction time is probably faster. I'm sure you pick up on other stuff that goes with that. Uh, I, I think that's where the issue has come in. But you again, you could speak to that much better th- than I could because the next day I spend in a, in a coaching box as a coach will be my first. Well, here's the thing that I always didn't like about it. I would have sometimes the same scenario – there was a there, there was a run where I was call I was calling plays for a team on offense and I had a guy that worked with me uh, in another place and he had the defensive signals of the other team and he was he was wanting to relay them to me but I couldn't I couldn't think about that because I wanted to think about okay what have we seen where are they lining up what do I need to call next for this what can my, what are my guys good at calling and also yeah. too you got to realize. These are still 18 to 22-year-old young men. I know that they're treated like professionals a lot of time, but a lot of time they're they're still growing cognitively, right? So they're worried a lot of times about what they have to do on their assignment. And sometimes it's too late to get that kind of adjustment in and stuff like that, and you really end up messing yourself up. So I would assume not know what the other team's 
doing signal wise because one they can give you fake signals and mess you up which has happened before we know that happens in baseball all the time dummy signals and stuff like that so i would just assume hey i don't want to know uh what's going on from a from a play caller standpoint i I just hope somewhere somebody beat on a trash can hey (laughs) over there you got you got uh do you think that's that uh, connor do you think connor stallions is his real name by the way is that his it has is that his birth name? I hope so. That is fantastic. That's like that's like his name is Art Vandelay. That that's that's basically what you would have. You know, you remember Art Vandelay, right? Well, this this will date me even more, and you may not know this one. Did, did you ever watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? No, but I did watch Seinfeld. That's you, where my you, Art Vandelay thing. Uh, yeah, I know I know where Art Vandelay came from, but that that's a that's a silly. You maybe had a, a beer or two with your buddies. Maybe it's maybe it's a generational thing, but that, that there was a band called Wild Stallions, and and every time I hear his name, that's all I can think of. Yeah, no, but uh, but I mean, Connor Stallions. I mean, uh, un, unreal. So you know, and and the Houston Astros stuff with the trash cans and all that. I mean, just craziness. And but hey, guess what? It's part of sports that we get to talk about and we get to do on these shows, Chris. So I'm thankful for it. It is. It's tremendous that we get to to cover everything but we are heading into a stretch here and we're about to wrap it up so if anybody's got any more thoughts here on the chat go ahead and throw them in but chris we're heading into a stretch here that is going to be one i think of the more memorable novembers in acc football in quite a while yeah i i can't wait for this i i just think it is so much more fun when the discussion is hey which of these Maybe 10, 12 teams could get on a run and 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 win it all, whether than rather than a hey, can anybody beat Georgia or can anybody beat Alabama? No disrespect to those programs or their fans, but the discussion is flipped here quickly. Yeah, uh, and and even, looks- even you got other storylines in the league. You know, can Kentucky recover? Can I, I think it's gonna be hard for Missouri to win it, but can Missouri win 10 games? I mean, I think you've got fun stuff all over the place, and we're gonna be here for it. I think legitimately, if things if they played their absolute best and got a couple breaks, you're looking at teams that could win the SEC. You're looking at Missouri. You're looking at Georgia. You're looking at Ole Miss. You're looking at Alabama, and you're looking at LSU. All those teams could win. Could could win that the SEC this yeah. year. And you never, you never would have said that the last two or three years. Yeah, and we'll have you guys covered wall-to-wall. Uh, Blaine, your morning report is great. I, I think between that and, and our daily show where we cover some other topics too, uh, and that's on 11 to about 11.45 every day. You can come in and interact with us. Uh, you're going to get your goodness. We, we will have every angle of SEC football covered. Uh, we're also getting into basketball. <laughs> I, I would tell you when, but it's it's finding the time to do it uh, between all we do. But you know, basketball is a big, big emphasis at this channel. That's kind of how we got started, and I'm here for that. So anyway, yeah, uh, thank you for you guys in the in the chat tonight. Uh, man, the comments have been great. Look, the, the internet and social media can be a cesspool, um, and, and th- there's a lot of nice folks in here that have said some nice things and hit the like button and, and done all kinds of nice things. That is a a shining light in a world that is kind of increasingly getting dark and with yeah, that fan- um yeah fantastic i yeah. was just gonna say fantastic stuff and also too we're gonna have predictions out 
on Monday. We'll have our predictions out. And, Chris, I don't want to give everything away, but I do want to let them know, hey, if you like our predictions video-wise, get ready. It's going to get turned up even more with a little extra stuff. We won't won't spoil the surprise, but there are some extras that are going to start flowing out from Southeastern 14. Thank you for watching. Good night. God bless you. We'll see you again on Monday.